everybody. Here we are already. It's Friday. Hard to believe Friday is already, it is Friday, right? Yes, it is Friday today. And hard to believe that we're already at Friday this week. This week has flown right by really fast. So uh, um, but we're going to get right into it. I'm going to take us in through a paraphrase this morning. Um, instead of a translation, then I'll go back to the translation uh, here in Luke chapter 16, because I think understanding the two kind of side by side like that will help us to uh, to, to understand what Jesus is getting at here. This is one that uh, can be, at least in my mind, a little bit more of a, a tricky passage uh, to work through. So uh, let's get right into it here. Luke chapter 16. Here we go. Jesus said to his disciples, 
there was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. <laughs> Sounds like government. Uh, so he, sorry about that. Uh, so he called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? You're fired. That's what we need to do. Uh, and, and I want a complete audit of your books. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as a manager. I'm not strong enough to uh, for a laboring job, but I'm too proud to beg. Uh, I've got a plan. Here's what I'll do. Then when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. Now, this will make sense as, as we go along here. He went at it. One after another, he called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first, how much do you owe the master? He replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. The manager said, here, take your bill, sit down, write 50. To the next, he said, and you, what do you owe? He answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, take your bill, write 80. Now, here's the surprise. The master praised the crooked surgeon. Why? Surgeon, right. Crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They're on stick, uh, on, I can't talk this morning. They are on the constant lookout or the constant alert looking for angles surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in the small things, you'll be a crook in the big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. Now, some would take this to say you can't serve both God and money, and and I would conclude that that's what is being said. But really, when you get into the story, what, what is taking place here is uh, you see this uh, you see this person who really hasn't been trustworthy uh, as an employee, and uh, he he is just rang the bill right up there, uh, and he says, "What will I do? Uh, I mean, I I can't handle a shovel. I don't know how to run a skid steer. Uh, you know, I don't know how to do construction work. I don't know how to do any of these things whatsoever." I just don't know how to do these things, uh, and, and I won't beg. I won't stoop to that level. What will I do? And he thought, you know what I'll do? I can still make money for, for my master, uh, and the way I'll do that is by having selling the score with people, getting people to pay up uh, and forgiving part of what they owed uh, while getting a return for my master. Now, yes, my master's not going to get 100% of what was owed him, but he is quickly going to get a large return from all these debtors who owed him debt, who are now going to pay up uh, part uh, part of what they owed, and the rest will be forgiven. Uh, and here's how this is smart. Think about it. 
the master still might release him. The master still might say, well, you know, this is good and this is shrewd and, and, uh, this is smart. This is intelligent, but you're still fired. I still don't think I can trust you. You're still fired. And, and here's what the guy was thinking. What will happen is these people that have been forgiven a part of their debts will now welcome me into their homes. I won't have to not have a place to stay. I won't have to go without food because these people who were forgiven a significant debt will like me and will say, well, come stay with us for a bit. You've lost your job. You did good. And from the outsider's perspective, from from the perspective of the people whose debts were forgiven, they're going to think, well, this guy's fantastic. We really like him. They don't know what his relationship was like with the master, and so they will invite him in. He was shrewd in in his business dealings uh, for his master. And, and what Jesus is driving at here, and again, this is the message paraphrase. Uh is really found down in verse 9 where it says, I want you to be smart the same way, but be smart for what is right. Use every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival. You know, use hardship to press you into God. Uh, concentrate your attention on on the bare essentials. Don't, don't get all focused on all the other things. Uh, so you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. And really live, meaning living from the inside out. And Jesus goes on and makes further comments. He says, uh, if you're honest in the small things, you can be honest in big things. In other words, if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with a lot. If you're crooked in the small things, you'll be crooked in the big things. If But if you're not honest in small jobs, who's going to put you in charge? In other words, you know, prove your trustworthiness. If you're given a little bit to do, follow through on that little bit. Prove yourself reliable. Prove yourself faithful. I mean, there are some people who say, you know, I want the big job. There are some people who say, I want the pulpit. There are some people who say, well, I want to be the speaker. And yet, they haven't proven themselves reliable in doing the other tasks that they had volunteered to do. So why should they get the stage? Why should they get the pulpit uh, uh, if they haven't? proven that they can be reliable in other things. These are the things that uh, that really do matter. Um, proving that we're reliable. Now, I'm going to put this into the NIV 84. Jesus told his disciples, we'll look at it from an actual translation. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked, what is this to hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. In other words, show me your books. The manager said to himself, what will I do? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me to their houses. And This is an instant where the, the paraphrase helps it make sense to us. What do you mean? When I lose my job, people will welcome me to their houses. Why are people going to welcome me into the houses? Or why are people going to welcome him into the houses? Why? Because... He forgave part of their debt, and now he'll be popular with them as well. Smart. So he called each one of his master's debtors. Uh, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of uh, olive oil. He replied, the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. 
The master commended the dishonest manager who had acted shrewdly, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. In other words, sometimes as Christians, we're not very shrewd. Uh, sometimes we, we, we're not thinking of the angles, and we need to be. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second here. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, do good. Do good with your wealth. That's what he's saying. He isn't just saying, well, wind them and dine them. That isn't the point. Use worldly wealth to gain friends. In other words, use worldly wealth to help people and to do righteous things. That's how I'm interpreting this and seeing this, what Jesus is getting at here, so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. If you live for this world, why should you expect eternity? But if you're living for eternity while in this world, You'll be welcomed with a rich, warm welcome into heaven. Verse 16, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10, chapter 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little can be dishonest, uh, will be dishonest with much. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That one phrase, I mean, this is a phrase that has some sting to it. Verse 13, you cannot serve both God and money. And yet money makes the world go round in many ways. Uh, that that's I remember Steve Harriman saying that very uh, word to me on a Wednesday night, I don't know, four or five years ago. You know, money makes the world go round. It's true. I mean, we need money for everything that we do. Uh, we need money to have these lights on in this uh, room. We need money to make the uh, to to pay the internet bill. We need money for the the programming that I use, the software that I use to be able to do this. We need money. We need we need money for uh, all kinds of different things. We just simply do, and and uh, but yet we can use money for righteous reasons or for unrighteous reasons, and and the question. We ask is how will we use our money? If God has given you the ability to to create wealth, and really, I mean, to a certain measure, some would argue that everybody has the ability to create wealth. Some some would some would make that argument, uh, and, and I'm not sure that it's as true as as some might want to say. There are some people; it just comes much easier for than for others the ability to to create wealth. They're perhaps in the right industry. I've never been one that is uh, super adept, mostly because I've stuck to ministry my whole life, and uh, uh, it, it isn't a, a place that you really make lots of money. I mean, I, I don't charge, you know, there's not a fee in that type of a thing. And we live by the support of people like yourselves who support the ministry here. So... um what do we do with what we make? You know, do we run right out? And so my, my question at uh, 11 o'clock last night is, well, how can we get more Bibles printed for the people in Pakistan? Now that, that was the question uh, that, that came, and, and uh, can we do it cheaper? And yes, probably if we run larger amounts of Bibles, but there, it's, it's a complicated thing. But, but there, here's a person saying, okay, how can I take the money that God has given me, and this person I don't think is really, really, really wealthy, I, 
I don't even know that they would consider themselves wealthy, but they're saying, how can I take what God's given me and use it for eternal purposes? And there are all kinds of ways. Now, again, one of the things that, that I try to do is look for uh, places, people, in fact, I don't even look, they come to me who are multiplying ministry. And uh, this instance that we're talking about, the Bibles, I mean, they're multiplying ministry where they are. And uh, so some people have gotten behind that. So, uh to be faithful with what we do. Now, I'm going to pause here and I'm going to I'm going to step over into the comments section here. Those of you that are following along perhaps seeing in the comment sections from Santhus Paul and we say good morning to you brother there in India. And uh, you know, I I I'm seeing your request and one of the things I'm wondering uh, would be uh, if I need to get you connected with with some brothers who are in India already who would come and preach. Uh, I mean, I, I it would be an honor to to be a a, a guest and come preach uh, in India. My problem is the schedule is so full uh, that it would be a while before I would get there. But if I can connect you with, and I need to, I'll go offline with you and, and talk about this. I, I do have a few contacts in India. Uh, that have large ministries, actually, uh, that uh, may have somebody who could come and preach. Uh, and I do know uh, people worship idols. They're in darkness. They need God. And we agree with you, brother. And uh, so let, let's see if we can't make something happen for you. Uh, if they would, if people would come listen to an American preacher, uh, okay, we can we can try to uh, to make something like that happen. Uh, but also I, I do have people that have grown very large ministry. I have one brother that, uh, uh, in 2015, uh, had a vision of a thousand pastors being raised and, uh, 15,000 churches being planted. And they've already surpassed that. That was the goal, 15 year goal for the year 2030. They've already passed that. And, uh, so let, let's see if if I can connect you with these brothers and, and network that way and uh, see if we can get somebody there, uh, maybe right from India. I'd be honored uh, to come as well. But um, uh, And then what we would do is connect that into not only preaching to people, but how are we going to disciple these people so they will, they will grow. Uh, and that's really what our brothers in India and two, two different uh, organizations in India uh, really, really are good at that uh, and partners. So let's connect on that front. That might be a better use of wealth uh, than than for me to to make a trip over there. Although uh, India is on the docket to get there at some point, and maybe I would be there next fall. We'll talk about these things more. But how to use your wealth? Uh, those here in America, I mean, we we are wealthy. Even those of us that don't think we're wealthy. Compared to people in other places of the world, we're wealthy. We have grocery stores that we can go into. Uh, we we have um, many of us. I mean, I have a refrigerator. You go out there, and there's my refrigerator. And next to the refrigerator is a freezer. And if you go down into my garage, there's another freezer. And there's food in those things. If you open up the cabinets, there's food. Across the street is a place where I can buy food. 
uh, five miles up the road is a place I can buy food. And, and I mean, our the, the grocery stores in some of these places, friends, are like the size of our convenience stores, uh, like uh, Wentworth over there uh, on 137, uh, just down from Rapostas. Anybody that lives here in my area will know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's the size of a grocery store in many of the places where we go, and not the size of Hannaford's. Uh, the, the size of just the uh, the produce section alone is larger than many grocery stores in many countries. Uh, and uh, uh, you understand what I'm saying. We have great wealth here, and we should thank God for our, the wealth he's given to us and make sure that we use our wealth well for kingdom purposes. I'm not sure if I'm going to push on into this next section here. Uh Yeah, let's let's press on to the next section. I, I think you're understanding. I mean, we need to be shrewd. Sometimes Christians were not were not shrewd. Now, uh, and that was the previous section before I press into the, this next section. The idea of being smart. Uh, I mean, church churches need to be smart. Church leaders need to be smart. Uh, I, I'm really grateful for uh, uh, the addition of deacons uh, to our. To our leadership core uh, at our church this past year is something I've been pushing for a number of years. Glad to see it happen, and uh, you know we, we we've had quite a treasure. I think uh, it with John, uh, his name is John, uh, who stepped into a role of leading that group, and uh, you know really understanding and managing things well. I, I give thanks. Uh, we we need to be smart. We need to be shrewd. We need to. Jesus talks about taking the angles, or we're willing to figure out. Some people are willing to take the angles when it comes to business and be creative when it comes to business, but maybe not be creative when it comes to uh, the church or comes to kingdom things or to eternal things. May we learn to be just as smart with eternal things, just as wise with eternal things. Let's press into this next section here uh, about the law and the kingdom of God. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones, this is Jesus saying to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and prophets were proclaimed until John, and since that time, the good news of the kingdom is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. In other words, he's saying the law isn't going to disappear. God's righteous standard isn't going to appear, uh, d- disappear. Um when he talks about everyone forcing their way into the kingdom of God. We, we see some of that here in America. And it's not only America, it's in India as well. Uh, I, I get, uh, I see on Facebook people that I have connections with that uh, have connections with other people and some of the crusades and things that, that really, really, really sometimes smacks the idea of smack uh, uh, is presented as a prosperity gospel and, uh, and we don't want to 
preach a prosperity gospel. We want to preach a a gospel of repentance. And and so when Jesus says people are forcing their way into it, they're they're thinking, how can I angle, get an angle on this kingdom of God stuff so I can make it rich for myself? Uh, That's the angle sometimes that that people are taking. Uh, And uh, that's what it means, forcing their way in, or people saying, well, I don't like the message they're preaching at all. I'll preach a little bit different message, but Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, actually the, the message of Galatians is there is not another gospel. This is the gospel. And Paul says, let anyone who preaches a gospel other than repentance and faith, let them be accursed. So a gospel that says you can give your way in the kingdom of God is a false gospel. Uh, a, a gospel that says if you trust in Jesus, he's going to make everything in your life perfect and give you abundant riches. That's a false gospel. Um, some who say, if, if uh, I'm going to give up everything, and they do give up everything and go on into a, a, a monastic type of life, uh, while there might be some spiritual benefit, internal benefit, I mean, that may be a means of trying to force their way into eternal life. The only way into eternal life is by saving faith in Jesus Christ. And how do you know that that faith is saving faith? You know that it is saving faith because your life changes, because your values change, because your priorities change, because what's important to you changes. That's how you know the legitimacy of your faith, that the things of God begin to matter to you. That's how you know it's real. Verse 17, he said this, it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. In other words, the law isn't going to go away. God's standard is going to remain his standard. And in our day, we we see people wanting to say, well, we're more enlightened now. We understand better now. And, you know, God is, is uh, we're more compassionate now. And so, you know, people's uh, pronouns, it doesn't matter if they want called by different pronouns. No, what Jesus is saying is God's truth is eternal. It doesn't change. And yet there are those in, in what we call the progressive Christian movement who are saying God doesn't care about your sex and your sexuality. Um, there are those who, who want to say, well, well, God doesn't care about, and, and there's a number of different uh, contemporary issues. You know, God doesn't care uh, about uh, blobs of uh, tissue that are forming in a belly's uh, in a woman's belly and a woman's womb. It's just tissue. It's not. It's not a, a living being until it's born. So there are progressive Christians who would take the position that it's a woman's body, it's a woman's right, and, and would say it's perfectly okay to to abort a baby from the womb. Um, what Jesus says in verse. 17, Luke 16, it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. In other words, God's word does not change. His standard will will remain forever. Don't think it will be changed. So what do we do? We make God's priorities our priorities. What do we do if we're making wealth? We, we try to figure out how to make wealth uh, and use it, lean into it, leverage it for kingdom purposes. That's what we do. Uh, now, there are... Lots of us who are participating in this broadcast that, you know, maybe maybe you're just barely scraping by, you know, and we see Santhus uh, uh, 
prayer request for for the children and uh, uh, the needs that they have for the children. Uh, Don commenting about uh, you know, sometimes grocery stores are but just just a bunch of street vendors lined up together, and that's true. That that's sometimes what it is in some places, and they can't get all the stuff that you and I can get. We are very 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 blessed here in America, and uh, uh, we honor God as American Christians when we when we utilize the wealth that we've been given. Uh, for God's purposes and for God's ends. Lord, help us. Help us to live for you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to glorify you. Help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. We think of those in less fortunate circumstances, like our brother Santhus Paul, and uh, the needs that they have and they how they they can't buy the food and the groceries don't have the wherewithal maybe to buy these things for their orphan children. Lord, provide for their needs. Provide for their needs. Provide for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan, South Sudan, other places where we have connections. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those of us that have means, help us to be smarter about how we use those means that we might glorify you and help others come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, Have a great day. See you next week.